WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Well, a little Wayne fires back at Eli Manning. The Mets general manager hunt continues, and we will be analyzing game four between the Yankees and the Red Sox tonight here in the Sports Zone. We'll take your phone calls at 800 321 0710. But the Yankees season on the line tonight in the Bronx, as it will be CC Sabathia with the season on the line. And that. Uh, is not exactly the way that the Yankees surely would have drawn all of this up, but this is what happens, especially in the best of five series. The deciding games, these huge games, these elimination games, they're not drawn up the way that you would like. A best of seven in that game five that maybe decides it, usually you have your A starter going in that game. You have somebody you trust in game six, and then game seven, everybody's just throwing everything against the wall. But with these best of five series, it shapes up differently. And these game fours, these are the games that are chaotic. And if you are trying to predict tonight's game, good luck. Because it is not as simple as looking at the starting pitchers and saying, all right, this is the way it's going to play out. If Rick Porcello and CC Sabathia combine for 18 outs tonight, I think that would be a lot. I'd be picking the under on that. I think both of these guys will go one time through the lineup and probably be done. Porcello would be more likely to get more of an opportunity, have a little bit more rope, just because the Red Sox don't have a whole lot of pitchers behind them that they could trust. But the Yankees, if Sabathia gets through this lineup one time, he's going to be plucked. And I think you saw that that was the plan last night when Aaron Boone kept Luis Severino in there, and it felt like he was worried about today's game, worried about game four, and saving the bullpen, knowing that Sabathia wasn't going to be asked to go deep. And boy, that backfired in a big way, and it just showed in the postseason especially, you've got to make big decisions right away. Uh, In the regular season where it's important to get innings from your starting pitcher and you can't just pluck a guy because he doesn't have it on a given night you cross your fingers hope it comes back and you could sit back and send Severino out there for the fourth and if it transpires like it did last night so be it but there's a value to be gained in getting him through six and not going through your whole bullpen and then the work that way in the postseason you have so many days off that if you got to run through the bullpen last night you do the same thing tonight and you don't worry about it much. There's not going to be much of a carryover when it's just one night to the next. And the Yankees last night, they messed that up. Aaron Boone messed that up. He heard about it all day uh, and all of last night. Though Apparently he was uh, you know, listening to some music on the way home and, and staying away from the sports talk, which is probably the best way to handle it. But he, he knew it was bad because he was getting a bunch of texts saying, hang in there. Uh, that's what he told reporters prior to tonight's game. And, and that's what it's going to be. And that's going to be on the line tonight for Aaron Boone and these Yankees. You lose a playoff series, the managers are going to get raked over the coals one way or the other. Aaron Boone will survive it. He'll be fine. I think he did a good job overall this season. He got them through that AL wildcard game. There is shame as a Yankee in losing to the Red Sox, but losing to a 108-win team 
It's not the absolute end of the world. And while Boone made the wrong moves last night, it's tough to even say it cost them the game when the Yankees managed just one run and Nathan Eovaldi was just shutting them down in a big way last night. Uh, so today, yeah, Boone will have a little bit on the line. CC Sabathia, maybe the last big contribution that he could make to the New York Yankees. and Apparently wants to be back next year. Uh, the Yankees, they have to get better as far as pitching goes, though. And now Sabathia is no longer uh, in the place in the organization that he used to be. But he is still plenty good enough, giving you a decent outing. And again, I don't think he should be asked to do much tonight. You should go out and tell him, hey, CC of old, let it rip. Give it all you got. Get us through three innings, max. And and that'll be a win. And then what makes this game so tough to predict is you know, the starting pitcher's not going deep. Who ultimately is going to factor in here? Are the Yankees going to be able to bridge the gap with all of their bullpen? You know a lot of those guys are going to be in. Will they need to use a Masahiro Tanaka out of the pen? Apparently, he's available. On the Red Sox side, they don't have anyone that you're really comfortable with, but David Price is available out of the pen. And I'll tell you what, if they bring in Price, that would be the moment tonight at Yankee Stadium. That would be the moment that would stick with you. That would be like when the Yankees, uh, Red Sox played in 2004 in the ALCS, and the Red Sox had a big lead in Game 7. I remember they brought Pedro Martinez back in, out of the pen. And that lit up the stadium. The who's your daddy chants ringing through the Bronx. And it was like, why would you allow this stadium to wake up? They were all dead. The the stadium was half asleep like that Yankee fan they caught on the broadcast last night. And then you bring in Pedro and light it all up. And that's what it could be like tonight if the Red Sox do bring in David Price at some point. David Price was cheered when he was introduced yesterday in the Bronx. So... I think tonight is incredibly difficult to see exactly how this game's going to go. And if you like to gamble or, or play, you know, bet who's going to win, bet over-unders, I don't know how you can make an educated guess here because the pitchers that decide this game, you have no idea who they're going to be, which means you're going to have pinch hitters, you're going to have a big-time managerial chess match between two rookie managers in Alex Cora and Aaron Boone, and two guys that haven't been in this situation before. But this is what a, an NLDS or a division series game four is. It, it's the chaos game. And tonight will be chaos, and it will be desperate chaos for the New York Yankees as they try to uh, keep their postseason hopes alive after uh, a devastating loss last night, 16-1. to you know, Sometimes you think a blowout loss that doesn't stick with you as much, but in the postseason, it doesn't matter. They all stick with you. They're all punches to the gut. Last night as well, uh, it's embarrassing when you're finishing a postseason game with a position player on the mound. Oh, I know that became a trend over the course of this season. I understand the game's already over and you're saving a bullpen arm. But the fact that it reaches the point where you're throwing Austin Romine on the mound, absolutely embarrassing. And the Yankees got crushed last night. They gave up the first cycle in postseason history to Brock Holt, who, by the way, is not in the starting lineup today. And we'll discuss that with Sean McAdam of the Boston Sports Journal coming up at 635. Um, 
And the Yankees making some interesting decisions today as far as their lineup goes. You find out what a team values in its players when their back is up against the wall. Over the course of a regular season in the middle of August, you don't necessarily have to put out your best lineup every day. Or if a guy's struggling, you don't have to bench him. You hope he can play his way out of it. Not in October. Not when you're one loss away from hitting the golf course tomorrow. And the Yankees with some fascinating decisions as far as this lineup is concerned. Uh, especially, Neil Walker's going to start at third base. And that's the big move the, the Yankees make here as they put Miguel Andujar on the bench, not trusting his defense. And Neil Walker's defense is going to save them at third base. And we saw a lot of him in Queens over the last few years. And... If someone told you coming into the year, oh, yeah, the biggest game of the year, the Yankees are going to be starting Neil Walker at third base. You'd go, what? This is where uh, the Yankees are. This is where things do shuffle up on you as you have your backs against the wall and get into this kind of situation uh, deep into the postseason. So uh, we'll continue diving into last night's game, tonight's game between the Yanks and the Sox. All the other postseason series are done as everybody's just waiting on the Yankees. You'll have the NLCS begin on Friday with the Dodgers and the Brewers, and then the ALCS on Saturday as the Astros await the winner uh, of this series between the Red Sox and the Yankees. If the Red Sox win today, that means uh, no baseball tomorrow. It'll be a dark day, and well, I guess it'll be a dark day anyway because uh, they're going up to Fenway Park uh, for um, you know the game on Thursday. But you could have back-to-back days without any baseball, which you know, the fact that MLB pre-plans the postseason schedule, I get they do it for TV, but you lose some momentum. You want to have it start up right away. In the NBA, sometimes you have series overlapping, rounds overlapping, and you don't have those deep gaps uh, in the in the action. And, and that would be a shame if that was the case. We've seen that affect some teams. Sometimes you want to play the longer series beforehand and not have six days off or something along those lines. We saw what happened to the Tigers back in 2006 when they had a bunch of time off, and the Mets and Cardinals played a seven-game series after the Tigers had swept the Athletics. They came out and they were miserable in that World Series. The, those long gaps don't help. Uh, it happened in 2007 as well with the Colorado Rockies. They were the hottest team in the game. They had, what, six, seven, eight days off, whatever it was, before they met up with the Sox in uh, the World Series, and, and they were swept out of the series. So, uh, you know, you don't want to have those long gaps and for the Yankees Red Sox to me I I wouldn't worry about them beating up on each other over the course of this series Uh, I think it's actually more of an advantage if you could survive it and and stay sharp and keep your position players sharp pitching will be there and you could wear these guys out in October um you know, there's plenty of time off for these guys to, you know, get rallied up again. It's not as if you finish out game five and you're playing game one of the championship series the next day. There, there's enough time to get that going. Uh, and interesting, you know, Ron Darling, uh, ended up playing a, a piece in, you know, last night's game and a lot that happened with Luis Severino and, and Severino, uh, Used to talked about Ron Darling after the game. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, and again, Sean McAdam covers the Red Sox for the Boston Sports Journal. Be with us at 6.35. We'll do some Mets talk with Jim Duquette coming up at uh, 7 o'clock. And we'll mix in some calls along the way. 800-321-0710. It's a Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy tonight on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. Joe Bartlett. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. 
the chaos game in these best of five series. Game four, where you don't have your top starter and you're trying to make it work with a CC Sabathia or a Rick Porcello and a cast of thousands is surely both of these teams will be in the bullpen early and it will be a, again, a managerial chess match. That is what you will have tonight. Double, well, maybe not double switches in the American League, but you're going to have pinch hitters. When do you go? Uh, to your relievers, do you go to a starter as a backup early on in these games? And we saw the difference last night when Aaron Boone finally decided to pull Luis Severino from the game. You have to be careful with these starters coming out of the pen when you put them in situations that they are not accustomed to. First of all, the whole thing is throwing you off as it is, right? You're not, uh, you're used to having a set time where you're going to be ready, you have a whole routine that builds up to that if you're a starting pitcher uh, every single timeout, unless you don't know what time the game starts, and we'll get into that part of it with Luis Severino. But you have a whole routine. You know at X time before first pitch, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to go to the bullpen, I'm going to start my warm-up pitches, and you have that all set. When you come out of the bullpen as a starting pitcher in the postseason, as we've seen so many guys do, whether it be Clayton Kershaw, Game 7 of the World Series last year, Max Scherzer in last year's postseason, and uh, obviously go back further and, and plenty of examples of this. This always happens, but you don't want to be coming in the middle of an inning with men on base. That is a totally foreign situation. You're already throwing some things off, but now you're going to enter the game in a situation already. And for Boone to go to Lance Lynn with the bases loaded last night, that's where you you have to go to someone who's accustomed to being in those kinds of situations. And it's always going to be tough to get out of it without getting any runs. We know that. The deck is stacked against you when you come in. But at least have a pitcher who's accustomed to being in that kind of situation. And at the very least is accustomed to the rhythms of entering in the middle of an inning where there's already a situation. And it's not a clean inning. It's not nobody on, nobody out. And as much as pitchers could talk about, hey, I treat every situation like nobody on, nobody out, you have to adjust with the situations and know uh, what kind of position that you are in. So to me, you know, that was a big mistake and that's something that, you know, could filter into today because again, Sabathia, Porcello, I wouldn't expect either of these guys to be long for this game and how quickly will Boone, Cora go to the pen and in which situations are they going to who? Last night, even though it was early, Aaron Boone should have gone to Chad Green if he was going to wait that long to pull Severino, which was one of the mistakes there as well. As for Severino, supposedly not knowing the start time accurately enough, and you know Ron Darling on the TBS broadcasts noticed that Severino got to the bullpen late uh, and said as much about it when Severino was leaving the mound. Darling made a comment that, made it seem as if that was the reason that Severino struggled. There could be a lot of reasons why Severino struggled. Uh, and then Severino was asked about Darling's comments after the game. Up on TV, Ron Darling. Who? Ron Darling on, on TV. So I mean, if, if my pitching coach said that to you, you can believe it, but, you know, he's not, whatever he said that, he's not always in my bullpen. How he knows what time is going out. No, uh, I came out... Uh, 20 minutes before the game, like I always should do. So I don't know what he was saying. I don't know who that guy is either. 
So there was no confusion on what time this game started, right? No, I was. It was you know from uh, a game like this, you don't you know you know you have to remember what time it is. Yeah, no uh, confusion with the time. Well, Severino said no confusion, and yeah, how would Ron Darling know? I I don't know him, and Darling, as we know, is the Mets television broadcaster. Didn't see a whole lot of Luis Severino, but Ron Darling knows. When typically a pitcher is going to be in the pen and start going and getting ready for the game in that way, uh, I doubt that Severino's process would drastically differ from other pitchers around the league, and it had never been talked about before. So, uh, you know, then the other answers from Austin Romine or Gary Sanchez or to some degree Aaron Boone were all kind of evasive about uh, Severino's routine and whether or not it was uh, affected uh, with what they said post games it seems like something happened there now is that the reason that Severino struggled and look he's been lousy the whole second half of the season uh, he had a five and a half ERA since the all-star break yeah he pitched pretty well in the wild card game against the Oakland Athletics he didn't pitch deep but he pitched very well for what he was asked um, but you know, this is the kind of pitcher that he's been the whole second half, and he might be pitching hurt. Remember, Pedro Martinez said as much on a TBS broadcast, and Severino denied that, but it's got to come from somewhere. I don't think Pedro's just making that up, and maybe Severino is afraid of looking like he's making an excuse or something, but it would make sense that he's dealing with something physical to have the kind of second half that he had because Severino was fantastic the first half of this year. Uh, so you had you know, a whole kind of mess there, but c- could you imagine if not knowing the start time of the game adversely affected your starting pitcher, and, and that's something that, that hurt you? Uh, you know, the Yankees deny it, but I, I guarantee you one thing. CC Sabathia will know 807 first pitch tonight uh, as uh, he gets ready for this game four, game four. And I think it'll be a chaotic game. I really do. You're going to have a lot of maneuvering, a lot of bullpen action, and they'll go for the Red Sox too. And I'm very curious to see you know, how the Red Sox decide to get to the finish line with their pitching staff and all the questions they have in that bridge. Also, Brock Holt hits for the cycle yesterday. He's not in the lineup today. The thinking behind that, Sean McAdam, Boston Sports Journal, uh, will give us the Red Sox perspective when we come back. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, welcome back to the Sports Zone Game Four. Red Sox Yankees uh, could be the finale of this series if the Red Sox knock off the Yanks. And we bring on right now Sean McAdam of the Boston Sports Journal. And uh, Sean, it's great talking to you again. How you doing? I'm well, Pete. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. As far as uh, the Red Sox go tonight, uh, one thing that does stand out, and, and maybe it shouldn't anymore because we know so many managers, they don't believe in the hot hand. But last night, Brock Holt hits the first ever cycle in the postseason, and yet not in the starting lineup tonight. And I, I imagine Alex Cora felt it wasn't that difficult, the decision. Yeah, uh, we uh, we spoke to him uh, just prior to his uh uh, availability in the press conference room, and uh, we asked that you know somebody jokingly said, "So a cycle's not enough to get you into the lineup two nights in a row." And Cora kind of chuckled and said, "Tough league, tough league." <laughs> um, but it really is all about the matchups, and with Sabathia on the mound and how he has done 
against left-handed hitters. They want to stack that lineup with as many right-handed hitters as they can roll out there. And then Ian Kinsler, even though he has not uh, had a terrific last couple of months offensively, he certainly is a veteran infielder who's played in a lot of postseason games in Detroit and Texas and, uh, you know, is, is accustomed to these settings. And uh, as Cora pointed out, if the uh, Yankees go to a lot of their middle release guys in the sixth or seventh inning, there could well be a right-hander that presents a pinch-hitting opportunity for hole two. Yeah, I got to think, I think tonight's game is going to be chaos. Game four of these division series where, you know, one team is, uh, has its season on the line and you're deeper into the rotations where it's the guys that you don't you know, depend with, depend on and, and throw early on in a, in a series. These are the games that you're getting like three innings out of your starter and then it's going to be mix and match in the bullpen and changes to the lineup. Is that the way you see this game playing out? Yeah, it, it, it is all hands on deck. Um, certainly, the the Yankees are playing uh, with the greatest sense of urgency because they can't afford to lose. And the Red Sox don't want to lose and go back and give the Yankees a second crack at them, even if it will be at home. And even if it does mean Chris Sale is your starting pitcher, they have to feel pretty good about both the locale and the, uh, the matchups for that one. But, you know, whenever you've got a team... Whenever you've got your foot on a team's throat, you don't want to let them up. And uh, the Red Sox are, are certainly in that camp here where they would like to finish it tonight. And, um, you know, toward that end, we asked about sales availability out of the bullpen for tonight. And is it possible that you could get an inning or even a hitter or two out of that? And uh, Cora laughed and he said that sale had been campaigning for exactly that uh, throughout the day. So he's made himself available and told him, told his manager that he would be happy to help out in relief. Uh, I got the distinct sense that that would be kind of a, um, you know, a last, uh, a last option for the Red Sox. They don't want to use him, particularly given the shoulder issues he's yeah. had over the last couple of months. But, you know, if it's a matter of, uh, you know, you've got Gardner or another lefty coming up and the tying run on base in the eighth inning, do you, do you call him in for, you know, a half dozen pitches to try to get you out of a jam. He said he put that at a, uh, I think he termed it minimal, but he wouldn't rule out at 100%, which kind of gets back to your point where, you know, you do on either side, you do what you have to do tonight to get out of here with a win. Yeah, you can see some different things in this game. And, and I would expect that CeCe Sabathia won't be in this game long, even if he does pitch well. But the Red Sox are a little more interesting because, as we've all talked about plenty, there isn't a natural bridge to Craig Kimbrell. What would you say the expectations are for Rick Porcello tonight? Well, he's been a guy, uh, it depends on whether you want to look at uh, his history in the postseason or his history against the Yankees. Uh, the latter is very good. The former is not very good. So, you know, what trend do you go with? Do you go with opponent or setting? Uh, because he's been very effective against the Yankees. In fact, um, he threw what may have been the best start the Red Sox got out of the starter this year back in the first few days of August with a complete game one hitter. You remember that, Pete, it was just uh, a Miguel Andujar home run in the third or fourth inning was the only run and only hit off of Porcello that night. I think he threw 90 pitches or so in a complete game. And uh, with the Red Sox, he's got something like a career ERA of about 2-5 against the Yankees over the last four years. So he's pitched very well, but he has not, uh, as is the case with a couple of other Red Sox 
starters, some of them high profile. He does not have a postseason win as a starter. Uh, so um, we'll have to see which way that goes. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think the Red Sox, by virtue of being up to one, can perhaps be a little more patient with their uh, pitching in terms of letting a guy stay for another hitter or two. They don't have quite the sense of desperation that the Yankees do, where if they don't win, it's over. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's there's not going to be a long leash for anybody. You will not see, uh, I, I think, what happened with uh, uh, with the Yankees last night, where it looked like certainly Boone took too long to go get Severino. Uh, I, I, I don't think either manager is going to make that mistake this evening. No. Uh, Sean McAdam, Boston Sports Journal, uh, with myself, Pete McCarthy, here in the sports zone right now. And, you know, certainly uh, the pitching is interesting, how, how uh, this will all play out tonight in this Game 4. And you kind of alluded to David Price at one point there. I think that would be like the moment. If Price came out of the pen, it would be like when they brought Pedro back out Game 7 of 2004 and it wakes up the stadium. I mean, Price was cheered during the introductions yesterday. Uh, how much might yep. the Red Sox want to avoid that kind of situation tonight? Yeah, I, I think if you see Price, it's more likely to be earlier in the game. You know, let's say Porcello's pitch count gets run up or he gives up a few runs in the third or fourth inning and they need someone to bridge towards some of their higher leverage excuse me, relievers, then maybe you get an inning and a third out of Price in relief. And as bad as he's been as a starter in these settings, he actually pitched very well in relief last year for Boston. They didn't beat Houston, certainly. They lost in four games. But Price was unquestionably their best pitcher last year. You remember he had the forearm issue and didn't have time to ramp back up as a starter for October. So they had him as kind of an Andrew Miller-type guy, pitching multiple innings as the bridge from the starter to the late-inning bullpen options. And he pitched six and two-thirds scoreless innings over two games against a very good Houston lineup. So... Maybe the pressure of not being the guy who starts uh, is part of this. And if you bring him in, uh, you know, in the fourth inning or so, uh, he doesn't feel that uh, that weight of the moment and can just be himself. But I don't see him coming in in you know in the eighth inning with a one-run lead to protect either. Sure, it would light up that stadium, though, right? Yeah, I think it would. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the the, the reception he got last night was a little bit like Mariano Rivera got at Fenway on opening day of 2005. And, uh, hmm. you know, I think the difference is that Mariano obviously had a far greater, um, you know, history and resume to fall back on and he could kind of laugh it off and, you know, tip his cap to the crowd and smile and acknowledge, hey, you got the best of me last October. But, you know, he had had his share certainly of great moments in October and Price doesn't have those to fall back on. If this series goes back to Fenway for a Game 5, will there be any uh, Sinatra, New York, New York playing? Uh, was anybody in the Red Sox really bothered by Aaron Judge playing that on the boombox? No, not that anybody I talked to. Uh, I think it was one of those things that, you know, uh, in the in 2018, if there's video of something, it goes viral. Mm. Uh, I think even if it had just been... Uh, if there had been no video, but people saw it happen and you tweeted out or it's on social media, that's one thing. But the fact there was actual, there were actually pictures or video of it made it seem like a bigger deal. Uh, I, I, you know, Judge is a guy that I think most opponents like. He is a very likable guy. 
nobody thought that that was rubbing their noses in it or it just seemed like, you know, good, clean fun, and I don't think the Red Sox paid much attention to it. It doesn't seem like there's much bad blood between these two teams at the moment. No, it's certainly nothing to compare to what we saw in 2003 and four. but those were very different circumstances. Uh, you know, the Red Sox were sort of tired of being pushed around and being the team that always lost to the Yankees when it counted. I think winning, uh, you know, institutionally, winning three World Series since 2004 has gotten rid of a little bit of that chip on the shoulder they had. But I think a bigger factor, Pete, is that, you know, the game has changed to a degree where um, you don't have those veteran high-profile guys who are part of, uh, you know, three or four postseason meetings between the teams yet. Now, maybe in another three or four years, uh, if Mookie Betts stays with the Red Sox and, you know, you have that nucleus of Betts, Bogarts, and Ben Attendi, then a little hate builds up over all the meetings and the, the Red Sox end up feeling the same about Judge and Gregorius and Andujar and Torres and whoever constitutes the Yankee core. You know, you had all those guys like Ortiz and Veritek and Ramirez and Jeter and Pettit and Posada, and there had been, I think, um, some animosity that, that built up over the years, and it boiled over when the teams met in October. Um, I, I don't because they have not played one another in the postseason in 14 years until this year. They haven't had the opportunity to uh, to, to do that. So, um, you, you know, I, I think it's going to take a little time and a little familiarity with the cast to build up that sort of animosity. Well, let's let's breed some hate tonight between these two teams. It's more fun when it goes that way, and hopefully it's more than just guys hating on Angel Hernandez <laughs> behind the plate tonight. Uh, but Sean McAdam, Boston Sports Journal, thanks for the time, Sean. My pleasure, Pete. That's, uh, that's really interesting uh, what Sean touched on there as far as kind of the difference, and it's not a generational difference, right? It's not just, well, it's guys today versus guys yesterday. I mean, there's a reason for that, why there was that extra animosity that was beyond just how the fans felt against each other and the cities felt about each other, but the actual Yankees, the longtime Yankees, disliked the longtime Red Sox and vice versa, but... That has to build over time, and if you're constantly changing players and you don't have the same core develop and stick with a team for a long period of time, you're not going to have that. And certainly the postseason matchups like this can uh, help breed that extra rivalry uh, part of things and make it a a real rivalry, not a historic rivalry. Right now, Yankees-Red Sox is a historic rivalry. The two teams and their 25-man rosters don't necessarily feel all of that. It's all around them in the crowd, in the atmosphere, uh, but the teams don't necessarily dislike each other. The people don't dislike, but that can build. And hopefully, that is something that with uh, players... Sticking around with their home team, maybe a little bit more. If you're able to, you know, like Sean talked about, keep Mookie Betts in Boston for a long period of time, and the Yankees could keep Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge and Andujar. Uh, with both of these franchises making a commitment over the last few years to develop from within and grow their own guys, and not just go out and sign free agents, maybe that's how you do build it up over a period of time. And, and that's one of the things to keep in mind. 
The Yankees, Red Sox, historically, these have been the financial bullies, which they still are, and they had a ton of veteran players that they went out and signed in free agency. And really, both of these teams have terrific young cores that they've been able to develop, and they supplement it with some of those free agents, a big move like a John Carlos Stanton or a J.D. Martinez, two sluggers brought in that uh, took these teams to the absolute next level over the course of this year. But you have four or five guys that are well under 30 that are going to be parts of these organizations for a long time and have these kinds of matchups. And, you know, it doesn't have to just be the postseason when you're playing 19 games head to head all year, but it's better when the teams dislike each other. And that is something that I think that it is missed a little bit in this season, in this series. It hasn't quite felt. Like 03, 04, Yankees, Red Sox, and all that. And I think, yes, there's a historical difference from the Sox point of view, but it's that there is no animosity between the players on these two teams. And sports are more fun with villains and having a bad guy. And sometimes it is an imagined bad guy. It doesn't have to actually be a terrible person. It could just be uh, maybe someone who mouths off or somebody you know, like a Chipper Jones who just destroyed the Mets over the years. And it was fun to those games had an extra edge to them when he was involved. And he, he did mouth off a couple of times as well in his time. But that's fun. That's what you want in sports. And. I've talked to Chipper and Mike Piazza, and as far as I know, maybe they spoke uh, in Cooperstown this year, but as of last spring, those two had never talked. They had never you know, really chatted about what it was like to go at each other. And there's a mutual respect, but they didn't necessarily like each other, having battled all those years. And, and that's something that's... That's fun. I think it adds something to the uh, to the rivalries in these games, and, and something that the Yanks Sox is they we missed a little bit in this series, but there's still time for that to uh, heat up as they play a fourth consecutive game today, and one that should have uh, all kinds. I think of subplots and decision making. It will be a chaotic game, the most chaotic game of the series, uh, this game for tonight. 800-321-0710. We'll have Jim Duquette, uh, former Mets general manager, now Sirius XM, SNY. We'll do uh, some on the Mets general manager search, talk MLB playoffs with Jim. Uh, so a lot to do there coming up. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR.